Dear Yves, and welcome back to the Soul Fair podcast. So as we find ourselves here on the eve of Samhain, on Halloween, it feels appropriate to offer this episode over to the ancient festival of Samhain and the place it held for the ancient Irish. So deep beneath what we now associate as a time for costume parties, trick-or-treating and pumpkin carving, lies a tradition that is deeply spiritual and was highly revered by the ancient Irish. And for those of you listening and being familiar with the more commercial aspects of Halloween, allow me to take you on a journey into the festival of Samhain, the traditions, the teachings, and the significance that it held for our ancestors, along with some insight into how it was experienced in my own time here in the west of Ireland. So Samhain, marks the end of the harvest and the beginning of the dark half of the year. And this means that it is generally considered by many to be the Celtic New Year. Although over the years I've heard so many different opinions on this. And according to most resources, there is no concrete indication as to whether this was definitely the case or not. So it's very much up for debate still. However, what we do know is that the ancient Irish began the day at sunset, entering first into a period of growing darkness before entering into the light at sunrise. And so we begin Samhain at sunset the day before, which is why the 31st of October is often referred to as Halloween, as All Hallows Eve it marks the beginning of the Samhain cycle. And this concept of beginning within the darkness is much like the cycle of vitality within nature. So first we have the intention, followed by the germination process and the direction of growth, which is all created within a period of darkness, be it within the earth or within the womb. And that then moves through the threshold into the light where it grows and expands before gently returning its vitality back to its roots for recuperation, for rest, for restoration ahead of the next cycle. That is the traditional understanding of the cycle of life here within this land. And in addition to that at Samhain, the veil between the, this world and the other world is believed to be at its thinnest, which allows spirits to roam freely between the worlds, including the dark and the demonic beings. So the gateways and the portals to the other world is wide open and it's believed that there is a higher chance of being kidnapped by the fairies and taken to the other world to live. So it is a precarious time to be in. And so the traditions that take place around Samhain are rooted in these ancestral beliefs and practices and centre around protection and keeping dark energies and spirits away from the community and indeed away from the home. And one of the most well-known practices of this is dressing up in scary costumes. And despite how it's practised today, it was originally done to disguise the people and make them appear as though they're from the other world. And in that way, when the dark beings pass them by on the road, 
they won't recognize them as living and so they will remain safe. And like most aspects within the Irish beliefs, there are two sides to every coin. And celebrations such as Samhain combined protection, keeping out of harm's way, along with prosperity and welcoming in abundance. So it's much like how we understand energy and well-being to be. It's a combination of healthy, defined boundaries, inner skills and resilience with creating that space for light, opportunity, prosperity and harmony. So growing up in the west of Ireland, our celebration of Samhain and Halloween was more in keeping with the older traditions than with the modern, more commercial adaption that we see today. So as far from elaborate costumes, uh, we were reared. Your typical costume choice was between either a black bin bag with a witch's hat or a white sheet with two holes cut out of it for the eyes. And you'd be lucky really if you were given a sheet just for the sake of trick-or-treating. So the trick-or-treating itself usually involved maybe driving around to the houses of extended family for about half an hour, which really often felt like we were being humoured more than it actually being part of the traditional Samhain that our parents or our grandparents would have celebrated. And so back in the day, going back the generations, the original tradition of trick-or-treating would have included a showpiece where there was some performance, a song, a dance, or a piece of music played in exchange for the treat, much like how Renboyne is today on St. Stephen's Day. So the real tradition and the real fun of Halloween were the games that we played. And bobbin for apples, or ducking, as we would have referred to it as, was the game of choice in most households. So that would involve generally a large bowl placed in front of the fire in the middle of the room, filled with water, some apples thrown in, some monkey nuts and a few coins at the bottom. And so as you can imagine, germ control wasn't really a big thing back in those days. So we take it in turns to go ducking with your hands behind your back, trying to grasp onto the prizes with your teeth. And the apples and the nuts were fairly easy to get, but there was always that scramble for the coins at the very bottom of the bowl that brought out the real competitive and messy side of all of us. So it is a bit nauseating now to think back on the fact that so many of us happily stuck our heads into the same bowl of water, but I guess a lot can be said for natural immunity. And another tradition was the boring brack, which was a traditional fruit loaf that had hidden prizes inside of them. So usually they had a ring somewhere inside the brack, but the homemade ones might have some additional things like coins or a rag. So we generally weren't too keen on the loaf itself, but the search for the ring was far too entertaining of an opportunity to miss for most of us. So aside from that, families may have had their own traditional dishes that were served at Samhain. And Samhain was a festival that involved feasting. In ancient times, offerings may have been left for the ancestors, something that you don't see as much today. And I feel that the time of the Great Hunger has really impacted the use of food as offerings for ancestors or indeed for the earth here, at least in the west of Ireland. So the dishes that would be served would typically centre around food that was abundant at that time of year. So potato dishes and apples would have been very common. 
And aside from the family customs and traditions, more than anything, Samhain was a deeply spiritual time of year. And this is something that has been lost in recent years. Those who made their soul's journey home within the family, and particularly if they passed away during that year, would have been remembered and honoured during Samhain. Halloween, meaning All Hallows' Eve, marked the beginning of the time of honouring. And even as Ireland transitioned towards Christianity, November remained a constant honouring of the ancestors as we celebrated the month of All Souls. And the name Samhain itself is used as a name for the month of November in Irish. And if we would consider the six-week energetic and natural cycles, it would begin on the eve of Samhain, right up until the winter solstice. Now, it's worth keeping in mind at this point that the dates were marked astronomically within the ancient calendars, not as set in stone as we do have it this year. So Samhain was not always honoured on the 1st of November, or Halloween was not always celebrated on the 31st of October. It would depend on the astronomical alignment at that time. For example, this year, the astronomical alignment puts Samhain on the 7th of November. So the calendar and the concept of time was different to how we experience it now. So the honouring of the ancestors and the loved ones, along with the period of time where the veil was thin, was not just one night of the year, but it was a period of time. Essentially, it was a time from when the harvest ended to the darkest part of the year, right up until the light began to return to the land. So right after Greenstadt, where we have the celebration of the winter solstice. I recall hearing growing up that if someone passed away at Christmas, so on Christmas Day, they were guaranteed entry to heaven as the gates of heaven remained open that day. And reflecting on Samhain, even if you reflect upon the old traditions and the beliefs that were held here, I can imagine that that point where the veil is still quite thin and the sun rises above the horizon after disappearing for three days, marking the return of the light, the birth of the sun, it may have been considered then too to be a very significant time to cross over. And that brings us on to the sun and the symbol of fire. And the Samhain festival is traditionally a fire festival. The ancient Irish believed that light and fire were powerful tools that could ward off evil and bring warmth and prosperity to the people. So during spring and summertime and most parts of autumn, the sun is high in the sky and that represents a fire for us. But in times of darkness, we need to come together and create it within ourselves or create it within the community. And so at Samhain, traditionally, candles will be placed in the windows of the houses to help the spirits to find their way home and bonfires will be lit to bring light back into the community, along with the warmth and the protection against the darkness. It would ward off evil from the community and away from the people. And this serves as a wonderful reminder to us from the ancestors that even in moments of darkness, in times of uncertainty and fear, we have the potential to create within 
us our own light, our own warmth and protection. And the Samhain fire was more than just a form of protecting the community. So in Irish mythology, we have the Morrigan, who stands and guards the gateway between this world and the other world, who is also an oracle. And it's said that on the night of Samhain, she looks into the dancing flames of the fire and prophesies what the year ahead will hold for the community. She's also portrayed as being a keeper of cosmic order in a sense, and keeps both sides of the veil in order. And at this time of year, she would be seen as a formidable yet protective force, and one that is best to appease and respect for the good of the community and the family. It would be seen as quite auspicious to have the Morrigan on your side, particularly at this time of year. The traditions around protection at Samhain strongly resonated with me as I began walking the natural cycles and the healing path. I remember hearing the tales of Samhain and I always felt like there was a double meaning to the traditions. They weren't just referring to supernatural beings that wandered among them at this time of year, but they were also referring to the challenges that people faced at this time of year, the growing darkness and cold, the dangers of survival and that threatened communities, the loss of hope as the light dwindled and the days got shorter. And if you can imagine it, as they stood outside and observed the natural world, death was all around them. The ground was frozen over. There was no guarantee that in those days the community would thrive or even survive through the cold snaps that winter can bring. Like It was a very precarious time of year. The sovereign goddesses of the land had blessed the people with abundance throughout the year, but at this time of year she slept and there was a fear around the return of the sun and fertility to the land. And on top of that, the veil is thinner and so are our levels of resilience as we face into winter. This is the time where the dark beings can easily move between the realms and so the ancients will protect themselves through costumes, protection rituals and the use of fire. And this reference of the dark beings is something that we hear often referred to when we talk about our mental well-being, fighting our own demons, for example, keeping the dark thoughts at bay, overcoming negative or harmful self-judgment or criticism. We know that many people feel their mental well-being decline throughout the winter months, and it feels as though the ancients of this land not only knew this, but had developed ways and means of creating a safe place for members of the community to navigate the dark months with greater ease. The warnings held in the old stories had told of the dangers of being alone in the dark, and if you did have to venture out into the dark, protect yourself. The protective measures could take the form of crosses or more ancient symbols of protection, like cuttings from trees or plants that are known to have protective qualities like the ivy, rowan, elder, holly is also known to be energetically purifying and provide protection. So some would hang twigs over doorways to ward off evil from entering the home. And the family would spend time together, more restful than other times of the year less expectations, sitting and being present around the fire, bringing a sense of togetherness and light. 
And we know that mental well-being often falls victim to loneliness. So in this sense of being together around the fire, that in itself would be a support to those who would struggle through the winter months. And what I love about these stories and traditions, whether you believe them or not, they paint a picture around the ancient understanding of what it meant to be, to be human in those times. And how the communities understood and navigated certain times of the year. The traditions created, supported the community, and the festivals always combined rituals or ceremonies that were dedicated to the land, the animals, but also to the people. And the emphasis on the restful period of Samhain resonates with what the body needs at this time of year. And so when you allow yourself to flow with the ancient traditions, it creates such a stark contrast to the rat race that winter has become and the effects that it has on people's well-being. We have such beautiful winter traditions, carefully aligned with the natural needs of the land and with our own well-being. And once you walk the year within the natural cycles and take the opportunity to immerse yourself in the ancient traditions specific to the land you walk within, it is transformational. From a healing perspective, as we align ourselves with each cycle and season, we uncover an aspect of ourselves. We become more self-aware and we learn to flow naturally into this ebb and flow, rest and action routine. So that idea of pushing ourselves constantly just becomes redundant. And it's such a beautiful experience. And so as I bring this episode to a gentle close, I would like to wish all of you a blessed sound, Halloween, and journey through the season transition. Mm -hmm.